powerful verse. A part of this verse that we haven't really touched on yet in this series is the first part. And that says, the thief comes, his purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And we've been talking about Jesus coming so that we could have life. But if you get time to read John chapter 10, it actually sets up this idea that Jesus was saying, There's, there are others who have come before me, false prophets, and even the work of the enemy of our soul, who would keep you from having this abundant life that I've offered to you. That there are things, obvious things and subtle things um, that happen. We have an enemy to our soul, the Bible says. There's a battle going on in the spiritual realm for our soul. And that in all of that, the, the enemy would love to destroy the life that Jesus gave everything for us to be able to have. And I think the enemy of our soul uses all kinds of things to do that. Satan uses anger. He uses addiction and hatred and, and immorality, obvious things that bring death and destruction to our lives. But he also uses things that are much more subtle, things that aren't necessarily bad or sinful. They're things that are good, but they clog up our lives and they fill up our calendars and they keep our focus off of God. And we think we're okay because we're not lying to anybody, we're not being unfaithful to our spouse, we're not hurting anyone. And so our lives are so busy with things that while not sinful, they leave, they leave very little room for God in our lives. So we've often filled our lives so full that there's no margin for us to experience the rich and satisfying life that God intended for us to have. But rest is exactly what God wants to give us. Jesus said, Come to me if you're tired, if you're weary, if you've been running hard, if your soul is empty, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you the rest that you need. The Bible uses this word Sabbath. And if you know the word Sabbath, if that has been a part of your life in any way, you probably have different experiences that have shaped what Sabbath means to you. For some of you, Sabbath might be, mean a lazy day watching football and eating pot roast. Okay, that may have been what Sabbath looked like in your world growing up. For others, if you were raised in more of a legalistic Christian home, it may bring to mind a lot of rules that didn't make a whole lot of sense to you. So uh, Brian, who taught here a few weeks ago, is preaching over at our other campus, and uh, Brian's a great guy, and he was talking to me about his experience with Sabbath. He had an aunt and uncle who they would visit regularly on Sundays, and his aunt and uncle were very, uh, from a very strict uh, kind of Christian background, a very legalistic Christian background. And so he loved going to his aunt and his uncles, but he hated going there in the summer. And he was telling me why, because they would always go on Sundays, and his aunt and uncle didn't have any air conditioning in their house, okay? Uh, so they would all, in the summertime when they would go, you know, it's Pennsylvania, humidity's high, it's August, it's just really hot. He said, we would go, they didn't have air conditioning, but they had this beautiful deck and a great pool in the back. But guess what? They went on Sunday and there was no swimming on the Sabbath for them. And he said, so we couldn't eat inside because it was too hot inside. So we'd go out in the deck and eat, and we'd be staring at the pool the whole time. And he said, I got to tell you, he said, as a 10-year-old, I thought, this is crazy. <laughs> he said, I didn't understand any of the ins and outs of it. He just said, in my mind, this was just absolutely crazy. And I can remember in my experience growing up, uh, what Sabbath meant for me is that pretty much we went to church all day. 
Uh, so in the church I grew up in, I think they just figured, hey, you know, if Sabbath is God's day, we should spend all of it at God's house. And so that's pretty much what I remember doing growing up. We were there on Sunday morning. We had stuff Sunday afternoon a lot of times, and we were there Sunday night. We were usually some of the first people there and some of the last people to leave. So that was kind of my Sunday experience. I can tell you that as a kid, I had a little radio that was kind of real slim line, fit in my pocket, and I had a little earphone that would, I would slide up the back. It's nowhere near as cool as the ear buds that we have today, but I'd slide it up the back, and uh, in the Sunday afternoon stuff or Sunday evening, I'd be listening to the football game. That was kind of my, my drill in the back, uh, but that was, that was Sabbath for me growing up. So what really is Sabbath? This is what we want to take a look at today. Sabbath is the practice or the discipline or the rhythm where we set apart time for God. We set apart time to center our lives on the one who can bring us what we truly need, and that's rest for our souls, and we center it on God. You know, we spend our lives chasing things that we think that we need, but Sabbath is really about refocusing our hearts on the one who can meet our deepest needs. So when we practice Sabbath for one day a week, God is truly at the center. He's not on the sidelines of our lives. It breaks us out of our normal run hard and work hard rhythm, and it allows us to focus on God first in everything we do. And it really sets a pattern for us when we learn to do that on Sabbath for the rest of the week. It breaks us out of our normal rhythm. And that's why I love to send my kids on retreats that we have. How many of you have kids on our youth retreat this weekend? Or no, Great. We've got about 200 kids. I think about 100 of them are, are from Daybreak that are away uh, or connected to Daybreak away on a retreat. And some other churches join us then. But uh, be praying for our student ministry today, that as their the retreat wraps up this morning, that God does powerful things. Because when kids break out of their normal rhythm, when they break out of the normal things that they do and they go away somewhere else, it gives them an opportunity to allow God to be central and to see things differently than they see it when they're in their normal pattern. And that's why I think retreats are so powerful. That's why I think Sabbath can be so powerful in our lives. You know, the spiritual practice of Sabbath has its roots back in the beginning of the book of Genesis in the creation story where God, after six days of creating, rested. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God needed to rest? Is that why he chose to rest? Was he just whooped? <laughs> six days of creating is a whoo, I am spent. No, of course not. God rested, and the Bible tells us this. He rested so that he could enjoy his creation. That's why after each day, he said, it is good. And after the sixth day, he said, it is very good. And then God moved into the seventh day where he said, I'm just gonna take a day to appreciate the work of my hands and what has happened. You know, I don't know if you've ever spent a day working in your yard or getting a home project done and it, you work on it all day. And at the end of the day, you just sit down with a cold drink somewhere in view of whatever you just spent the day doing. And what do you do? You just take a minute and you appreciate kind of the work of your hands. You appreciate the beauty of whatever it was that you created or whatever it was that you cleaned up or your best effort at cleaning something up. Anyway, you had a moment of appreciation over that thing. That's what God did after six days of really hard work. He took a moment to say, look, it's good. It's good. I'm gonna stop and appreciate this thing. So for us, the practice of Sabbath is a gift that's meant to free us from the hurried and distracted life and return us into right relationship with God in such a way that we return to God's loving presence in our lives. And look at how the practice of Sabbath or taking a Sabbath day was described by the prophet Isaiah. He says this in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. It says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep it set apart for God. 
Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything that you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Doesn't this sound like direction from God that leads us to a rich and satisfying place with him? God's giving us a command, but he's saying, look, this is the benefit of you being obedient to this command. And that's what God is promising when we practice Sabbath. It's not just our work that brings a rich and meaningful life. You know, we often think that way. It's the work of our hands that brings meaning and depth to our life. But it's resting in God as well that renews our relationship with him and brings us into this rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised us. And I'm sure for many of you, you know that practicing Sabbath is one of the 10 commandments, right? It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? To keep it holy. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart to God to keep that sap, that day holy. That day is for you, Lord, but it's, we'll learn this morning, it's for you, it's for God, but it's for you. The Sabbath wasn't made, uh, man wasn't made for the Sabbath to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to serve man. That's what Jesus said. But listen, what do we tend to do with things in the Bible that don't really seem relevant to our lives or maybe they just seem impossible to us? What do we tend to do with them? Anybody? We ignore them, right? <laughs> That's what we do. We said in the Ten Commandments, hey, God, I'm doing great with the other nine, but I think this one, I don't really know how this works in my world, so I'll just push it off to the side, and there are now nine commandments, right? Nine big guidelines for my life, and one over here that I'm not sure who that's for, but it can't possibly be for me. Maybe that was written for somebody who lived in a different era than I do. Maybe that was written for somebody who lived in another time who had a different life experience than my life experience because, God, surely you know I can't accomplish all that needs to be accomplished in six days a week. Surely you get that, God. So we just push it over to the side. Because I've got nine commandments. You know, this is one of the amazing, amazing things about our relationship with God and that it's, it's God's heart for us that we slow down and that we understand that we feel the pressure to say yes to every activity in our life. And that pressure isn't from God. And we feel the pressure to say yes to every activity for our kids. And why do we feel that way? Because we want to have a rich and satisfying life, right? And we want to have our kids, we want them to have a rich and satisfying life. So our way of thinking that you have a rich and satisfying life is just to max it out, right? Fill it up. Make sure every little moment of time is full. But here's my question for you this morning, and you need to answer this question in your own life. It's really important. What if all of that activity, what if all of that entertainment, what if all of those sporting events, what if all of those things that you're cramming in to your schedule all the time, what if they don't actually result in a rich and satisfying life for you or for your kids? Then what have you done with your life? Pete Scazzaro said it this way. He said, I'm convinced that nothing less than an understanding of Sabbath as a command from God, as well as an incredible invitation, will enable us to grab hold of this rope that God offers us. And this is God's heart. He's inviting us to this joy and abundance, to a rich and satisfying life, not through activity alone, but also through consistent rest. And only when we see Sabbath as an invitation from God to stop our work to stop our hurriedness, 
to stop our addiction to distraction do we become aware of God's abundance in our life. Only when we do that do we become aware of the work of God in and through our lives, of his goodness in our lives. And that's God's invitation to us. Sabbath is one of God's good gifts to us as his children from him as a loving father. Look, this is important. Sabbath is about stopping and resting, but it's also about learning to delight in God and to contemplate his work in our lives. It's about stopping, learning to stop, because sometimes we need to just stop, stop pushing, stop moving, and learning how to rest in God. But it's also about learning how to delight in God when we rest. It's also about learning how to contemplate the work of God and who God is and how he's at work in our lives. So there are four biblical principles of Sabbath that we see throughout Scripture whenever Sabbath is talked about. And uh, we're just going to run through them really quickly this morning. The first is this. The first principle is to stop. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Sabbath is is first and foremost a command for us to learn to stop. And stop is actually built into the Hebrew meaning of this word Sabbath. A part of it is actually the, the act of ceasing or stopping. Yet most of us don't stop until we are finished whatever it is that we think we need to do. And here's the problem. If there is always more that you think you need to do and you live on that mantra, you will never stop. We need to complete our projects and our term papers and answer our emails and empty our inbox and return all of our phone messages and complete the balancing of our checkbooks so that we can get the bills paid and we need to finish cleaning this level of the house. If we can just get this room in the house clean, we will feel so much better about life and we need to get this done so that we're ready for tomorrow. It just never ends for us. There's always one more task to be completed. So when we take Sabbath, what we do is we embrace our limits. God is God. He is indispensable. I am his creature. I'm his creation. And here's a truth that I think we all know, but we can't really verbalize or our lives don't point to it very well. The world will continue just fine if I take a day to stop. The world will continue on just fine if I choose to take a day of rest. You know, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself, what things might need to stop in my life on Sabbath for me to have room to know that God is God. And I've heard some great things, some examples. Some people have, uh, they, they obviously stop work on the Sabbath. They stop using their phone. Some stop using their computer on the Sabbath. Some say, no errands. I'm gonna stop hurriedness. I'm gonna stop multitasking. I'm gonna stop competitiveness on the Sabbath so my mind isn't racing and I'm not going after the next thing. I'm gonna not, not make any decisions on my Sabbath because when I get into decision-making mode, I can't stop. No projects for me on the Sabbath. I'm truly going to take a day and stop. So you need to determine on a Sabbath for you, what do you need to stop so that you can experience God as God? The second principle is to rest. In Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. And when we stop and rest, we respect that we were made in the image of God who also stopped and rested. We are not nonstop human beings. We were not created for that. And sadly, it often takes a, a physical illness. It takes us getting the flu or maybe our whole family getting the flu or, or mental illness like severe depression. It takes something like that severe happening before we're willing to stop. It forces us to stop. Jesus said that man isn't made for the Sabbath. It's not a rule that we were made to keep but that the Sabbath was made for us. 
And sometimes our bodies and our minds are crying out for rest and Jesus invites us to come to him for the rest that our bodies and that our minds need, that we can find the peace and the rest that we need in him. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, how could rest help me physically encounter God through Sabbath? Do you know, I know people who don't take a nap all week, but napping is an intentional part of their Sabbath. And they look forward to their Sabbath all week because they've given themselves permission to take a nap on the Sabbath. How fun is that? (laughs) Sabbath is the only day I get to rest. I get to take a nap. And they give themselves permission to do that. The third principle of Sabbath is delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. And the word delight in Hebrew actually communicates this sense of wonder and joy and awe and this sense of completion. And on Sabbath, we're called to enjoy and delight in God and in his creation. On Sabbath, we're we're called to slow down and have a meal with our family or friends, take time to really enjoy the meal together, to delight in the food and in the company. Ask yourself, how can I delight in the Lord as a part of my Sabbath? And here's some possibilities. Maybe you can experience delight on Sabbath through paying attention and delighting in people. It's great to leave a lot of space on Sabbath so that you can have time for meaningful conversations with your family members and friends that you may not have in the hurriedness of the other days. You might take time on Sabbath to actually walk your neighborhood and leave time for a meaningful conversation with a neighbor. How weird would that be, huh? You actually set aside time that I'm gonna walk through the neighborhood and see what conversations or what doors God might open up for me. See, if we're not intentional about delighting in Sabbath and delighting in people, our life just moves so quickly, things like that never happen. Maybe you could delight in Sabbath through play or recreation, whether it be through going for a hike or uh, taking a bike ride or just playing games with, with people that you love as a part of Sabbath. Sabbath should include delighting yourself in the Lord and in his creation and in all the, ma- the amazing people that God has placed around you in your life. And then God gives us this fourth principle of Sabbath, contemplate. In Genesis chapter one, it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. The first quality of biblical, or the final quality of biblical Sabbath is of course the contemplation of God and his work in us and around us. And the Sabbath, no matter where you read about the Sabbath, it's always to be set apart. It's always to be holy unto the Lord. And pondering the love of God can remain the central focus of our Sabbath. Throughout Christian history and Jewish history, Sabbath has included God's people coming together in worship uh, to to feast on his presence, to, to meditate and reflect on his word, spend time in silence and prayer. And that's why maybe for you, the best day to have Sabbath is Sunday because your worship experience can be included in it. But if Sunday involves work for you and you need to find another day to Sabbath, that's okay. Find another day, another time where you can experience God's Sabbath rest. Every Sabbath gives us a taste of all that awaits for us in heaven when we see Jesus face to face. We're gonna experience God when we see him face to face in all of his splendor, in all of his greatness, in all of his beauty, in all of his excellence and glory far beyond anything that we've ever experienced or anything that we could ever imagine. Sabbath gives us a taste of it just a taste of it. So a meaningful Sabbath is going to require some preparation. What will it mean for you to prepare yourself for worship if uh, Sunday is your Sabbath? What time do you need to go to bed the night before so you're ready for your Sabbath the next day? When might you have times of silence and prayer during this, your Sabbath day? 
And what final items might you need to take care of in the time before you actually have chosen to take your Sabbath so that you can have an uncluttered Sabbath day, a day that's truly set apart for God to fully enjoy him and fully enjoy his creation and the people around him and to truly find rest. I want you to ask yourself, how can I contemplate and be aware of God and his work in my life on the Sabbath? Well, each week in this series, we've had the privilege of hearing from different Daybreak family members where they've just given us just a little glimpse into how they're, they're uh, just using different spiritual disciplines or practices in their life to help them move them closer towards the abundant life that Jesus promised for us. And today is no exception, but today we wanted to let you hear from a few people because we realize Sabbath is a really tough thing. It's a really tough thing to implement into our lives. So we asked some people from our church family who have worked really hard to implement Sabbath rest in their life, and they're still on the journey. (laughs) No one of them would say they're perfect. I think you'll hear that today. But we've asked if they would come and share their experience with us today as it relates to Sabbath. And our hope is that maybe in hearing from them, maybe God will prompt something or spark something in you so that you'll be able to find Sabbath rest in your own journey. Hey, let's say thank you to these guys as they came this morning to serve us in this way. Good morning, everybody. My name's John, and I get to moderate this esteemed panel of friends here who have come to share. And I look forward to learning a little bit myself. This, this series has been really convicting to me, because if you're like me, full and abundant, means a schedule chock full of activities and events and abundant means a lot of likes on social media, right? And this has really helped me face my limitations. Um, And this, it is a sacred search. And I talked to the panelists before we um, got ready this morning, and we agreed that they have not yet arrived. They don't want you to think they have it all down, that it is indeed a journey. And so they're going to share with us today a little bit about their search. And what we hope is that we can take away some insight and maybe even some best practices for how we can grow in the sacred search. How can we grow in honoring the Sabbath? And they're going to follow the guidelines that were laid out by Schizero here today. They're going to probably use some words like stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. And so I'm going to have them each introduce themselves And how about this? Tell how long you've been at Daybreak, and then share a little bit about your journey of Sabbath thus far. Hi, I'm Jolene. I've been here at Daybreak about seven years. Um, I grew up in a pretty conservative Christian home, and so we honored the Sabbath, kind of like Rick. We were at church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. My dad loved Sunday car rides, which I learned to hate. (laughs) Um, So Sabbath for me was more about just church, like that's what we did, and it didn't feel like there was a lot of delight for me, and um, so my husband Randy and we we got married, we committed to church every Sunday morning, which was good, and often we'd do small group on Sunday night, and for us it became really a family day, we encouraged our children to like cease a lot of activity, we would be home together, really fought against sports and team sports and said, no, this is a day we do need to slow down and do things differently. I think, though, for me, um, I didn't do a really good job of my own personal soul care. And when I came to Daybreak seven years ago, the first thing I did attend here was Peter Cazero was here. And I walked away from that conference going, oh, my gosh, Sabbath is just different than what I'd ever thought it to be particularly this piece of delight 
and contemplation. Like, I begin to think, wow, I could garden. I could play with my flowers and not, and it could be a holy activity. It doesn't have to be this list of don't do this and don't do that. Um, That was just liberating for me to begin to think about what is restorative for me and that I was allowed to think that way on the Sabbath. And um, so that started a transformation process. And then I think also this, I'm a doer, I like to be busy, I want to be productive. How do I just slow down so that God could speak to me on the Sabbath? And I could give myself permission to just be still and quiet and let him speak and restore me. And that is a still journey for me. Um, I knew that had some things had started to shift when a couple weeks ago, Randy and I were to attend, um, someone had invited us to their home for a religious, wonderful thing. And we ended up saying, no, we can't do one religious thing today. The religious thing we need to do is take care of our souls and we need to be still and quiet and, and decline that invitation. That was huge for me because normally I would think I should this is a good thing. I should be there. I'm expected to be there. But to say, no, that's not what's restorative for me spiritually. So. Yeah, it's Jolene said, uh, my name is Randy, and I'm known in these parts as her other half. <laughs> but um, our, our lives are really parallel. My family of origin was very similar with the added caveat that my parents were church custodians. And so our church was a day of work, opening the church, preparing it, closing it down, snow removal in that season, all of those things. So Sunday was not really a day of rest, maybe except for the afternoon. And uh, that was a time, actually, that I got together with church buddies, and we did sports seasonally and just uh, was really cool. And the day before youth sports, when you kind of had to organize your own thing. So that was something that, uh, as I look back, maybe that was part of the Sabbath I did delight in at that time. Um, as Jolene said, it's been this journey um, where Pete Scazzaro has really kind of reinformed us. And even as empty nesters, we're trying to figure out, what does that look like today? And I've just been really challenged with his challenge to, to find that 24-hour period every week that you can implement as your Sabbath. And, and we've not arrived at that yet, but it's been really convicting to think about that. And again, I would agree with Jolene, the sense of delight, whether that's uh, sitting with a cup of coffee on the deck or by a window, or whether it's me tinkering in my shop, or what that looks like. Uh, but to have that sense of delight was just really a freeing concept. And then the contemplative part uh, is really also, how do I make space for God to speak to me on that, that Sabbath time? My name is Stacy Salter, and I have been here at Daybreak for 12 years. Um, this morning when I came in and someone heard that I was speaking about Sabbath, they laughed at me. I won't say her name. Um, because I am a person who has made the idol of exhaustion and busyness. Um, I own a number of different businesses locally, and uh, I found myself at the end of the year last year, just about this time, we'd come back from a conference, and I was like, I can't keep doing all of this. Like, I felt so poured over at a woman's conference, and I wanted to feel that every single day, and I wasn't feeling it. I was... Um, making Sabbath part of my checklist, and it's easy to do. It's easy to put it right underneath the laundry and get it done and check it off. 
And so uh, I decided that January the 1st, I was going to start every single morning with Jesus. Um, And I realized as I was doing that, that I was still checking it off as a checklist. So I just prayed. I was like, Father, I just need you to, like, unburden me from this busyness because I am wearing it like a badge that I'm proud of it. If somebody says, how are you? I say, I'm busy. Um, If somebody sees me, they say, you're so busy. And I was smiling about it. And I was like, gosh, is that what I want my nine-year-old daughter and my husband to remember about me? That I was busy. Um, So I started this journey and I blogged every day online to hold myself accountable. Um, And what I've learned over the course of the last 11 months is that that wasn't me blogging for other people. That was me holding myself accountable to Sabbath. Um, And I carve it out every single day. Uh, I started a Bible study here a few weeks ago called Breathe. Uh, Priscilla Shire is the, the writer of the book Breathe. And I opened up the cover to this book and inside it said, doing everything is not the same as doing the best things. And I, the, the air came out of my lungs, and I'm like, oh, this is me. I do everything. And I say yes to everything. And now I look at going to coffee with friends, and I'm like, gosh, I miss this, Lord, because I was still checking off my list, too busy. And now I'm like, God, you want me to delight in your people. You want me to spend time with them. Um, I use the analogy of a cup. So I was running on empty, and I was trying to pour myself into everybody else's cup, my husband's cup, my daughter's cup, my parents' cup. Um, You cannot pour into anyone else unless God pours into you. Amen. Amen. So what I'm hearing is that this journey of practicing Sabbath might differ for each of us based on our personalities, preferences, or even stage of life. I have one example Pastor Rick, when he mows his yard, that is life-giving to him. He just loves to go mow and reflect. You know what that is to me? It's bondage, mowing my yard. <laughs> so we, we downsized at this stage of life. We downsized into a townhome, and I don't have to mow a few acres anymore. Rick would miss that if he, if he did that. So stage of life, personal preferences, right? Nessus, how does that work for you all? Tell us a little bit about... Um, how you're wired, and how this stage of life sees you practicing Sabbath. Yeah, I'm, I'm introverted and reflective. And uh, one of the things I've done recently that um, has been helpful with the contemplate part is on Sundays at church, there is always something said or sung that just resonates with me. It, it's just like I feel my spirit is being perked to really think about this further. And I note that. And uh, I take notes, and I, I try to make space then later on my Sunday to, to ruminate on that and let it marinate and to say, God, what are you trying to say to me through either this passage or this concept of, from a sermon or chorus from a song? You know, what is it? And I've, I've actually just more recently started like a, a journal or a scrapbook where I'm putting in song lyrics, scriptures, uh, quotes, uh, things like that to help me sort of think about and just let that marinate. Um, I find nature really restorative, so often I try to spend some time, whether it's walking or biking, just kind of with God. I find that part of, um, I spend a lot of time with people all week, and so I have to really be careful. I often need a lot of alone time just to recharge, and I have to protect that. Um, so I often have to think, uh, 
do I need do I need positive fun time with people or do I need some time alone? And sometimes I need both. Um, and Stacy, you're at a different stage of life, we'll just say. So how does your journey differ? I feel like I get up in the morning and I set aside time for Jesus, but sometimes the dogs wake up way too early. And sometimes my daughter does. Um, so sometimes that morning that I have set aside for myself, when I get to about noon, I feel like I want to drop. And so I just absolutely, I speak to myself out loud. No surprise, I talk a lot. Um, and so I talk to Jesus out loud in the car. Um, and if I don't have time with him at 5 a.m. in the morning, I am in the shower singing worship songs. Uh, I don't think God cares where you meet him. He just cares that you meet him. Um, and he doesn't care that you're doing it on your own or that you're doing it with someone else. Um, so it's just a matter of every single second of your life getting up and knowing that you cannot move forward without restoration. So um, sometimes I do it with my daughter. I want to make sure that she sees a reflection that it's okay to not be busy, that busy is not the badge of honor, that um, showing people Jesus. Every morning she gets up and gets on the bus, and I say, I don't expect you to be perfect. I just expect people to see the Jesus inside of you. And I can't pour that onto her unless I have him poured into me. Good stuff. Uh, Nesses, let's talk a little bit about what have you noticed has been different in your life since you've made practicing Sabbath a little more intentional? Um, I think for me, the, the peace when I really give time for God to restore me, I enter the week really differently, and I'm ab I have more to give. And so instead of kind of trying to give out of my own strength and my own um, sometimes emptiness, I'm able to give out of a fullness that he provides when I really take time. I think for us, too, it means I have to get things done on Saturday or other days of the week, like laundry or um, if, I'm, if I really need some stillness, I can't have still walk into Monday with all these things I've got to get done. I have to start planning better. Um, we have to really make the day intentional, and it talks. We talk a, a lot of conversation has to occur about what's going to be restful for you today. If we add this, is that restful or is that going to stress us out? So it's really an intentionality, I think, of planning and thinking. We had a, a funny uh, experience, or maybe not funny, but an unsabbath-like experience on Labor Day weekend. And uh, it was a pentatonics concert in Hershey Park. And we love their Christmas music. So we're like, we're going to go feed our souls with uh, pentatonics music. And, uh, of course, Hershey Park, Labor, or Labor Day, it's full. It's jam-packed. Uh, I made the mistake of thinking the concert was in the Giant Center, so we parked in that parking lot and had to walk to the stadium through the traffic. Uh, we sat in chairs that I swear were 12 inches wide. I had an unspoken relationship with a guy beside me as we were packed in my sardines. Uh, the music is not what we expected. And then trying to get out of Hershey Park uh, at closing when everybody's leaving the park and the concert was just, it was just a wearying experience. And so for us, that was like, well, here was a, what looked like a good activity, and it became very unrestful and, and just kind of was a terrible end of the weekend. And so that sense of we need to make sure we're intentional about building in times that are restorative and, and, and quiet are really important to us now. Stacy, how about you? What have you noticed that has changed in your life since you've been more intentional about Sabbath? I am able to discern, discern is my word this year, discern between, and I pray it over myself, um, between what I 
wanted to and looks really super fun. And I'm like, oh, well, we have space from one to three and we can do that activity to discern like, um, God, what am I getting from that? Like, am I getting one more thing that's fun or am I going to enter Monday and be like, oh, we shouldn't have gone to the Pentatonix concert. Um, so really just discernment. Okay, how about this? I think we have to wind our time up here a little bit. I'm going to have Stacy go first this time. If you could give one final word of wisdom or nugget of wisdom to folks here about what you've learned in your journey, what would that be? You are not perfect. You are never going to get any of the commandments perfect, maybe a couple of them, but I hope. But Sabbath, uh, you have to give yourself grace. God gave us grace. Um, and right now, just setting an intentionality that you are going to Absolutely. If it's five minutes, it's five minutes that you haven't given yourself before setting intentionality and saying, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to make it a habit to come to church on Sundays. I'm not going to sleep in uh, because, you know, the people here are, are breathing into you. So if that's the only intentionality that you set, do it. Yeah, I'd say start somewhere. And um, this idea, it's allowed to, you're allowed to be selfish. That was freedom for me, that I could actually say, wow, I can care about my soul today. I can be selfish today and care for myself. That's huge for me. Stacy stole mine, so I have to go with a new one. Um, <laughs> we have a daughter that lives in Colorado. We were recently out to visit her, and uh, her idea of hiking is to get to an alpine lake as fast as you can. And I'm at a life stage where I can't keep up with that. And we recently hiked with her, and... Um, it was a challenge, uh, pace and length. Um, and, and coming off of that hike, I found a quote by John Muir, who's like the father of the national parks, where he says, when you're in the woods, you don't hike, you saunter. And it's like, whoa, what a concept to saunter. And so I think um, my, my recommendation is, can you find the times in life that you can saunter instead of running fast? Man, that's good stuff. I need to saunter a little more often. So would you help me thank our panel this morning? I just love being a part of this church family. Thank you, guys. We're going to return to Isaiah 30 to wrap up this morning with this. It says this in verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. And then the Lord says this, but you would have none of it. <laughs> Only in returning and resting in God do we find our salvation, do we find our strength, do we find our rejuvenation. And that's our challenge because God never meant for the Sabbath day to be a duty for us. He meant for it to be an invitation to a gift that he wanted to give us. But I want you to underline that last sentence, but you would have none of it. Because I think the words that God gave to the nation of Israel are just as cutting for you and for me today. God says, I'm offering you this gift, but you're refusing the gift that I'm offering you that would give you life, rich and meaningful and abundant life. 
And so this has been a big thing for me because I read Isaiah 30 uh, about six months ago in my devotions and I got to that line of verse 15 and I was like, oh my word, that's me. God's offering this to me, but I have none of it because I'm not good at stopping. And I could give you a hundred excuses as to why I'm not good at stopping. I could tell you all about my large family and my job that consumes a lot of time. And I could tell you that Sundays are a work day for me. So when everybody else was, I'm working and I could share all kinds of things with you that would be reasons why it's hard for me to find time to stop. But the truth is God spoke to my heart and he said, you need to set apart this time. It's meant to be set apart for me. It's meant to be holy. And then God brought this sense of conviction as, as I thought about him offering this gift to me and me, me saying, no, God, that command's not for me. That gift is not for me. I won't enter into that place with you, God, because I'm too busy. And I thought about this then as, as God wants us to know this Sabbath rest that he has for us is meant to free us and give us abundant life. And I found this verse in Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 15. It's not in your outline today, but it's up on the screens. And it says this, it says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. And that is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Listen to what God is saying to people, his, his people, the children of Israel. He's saying, remember that you were once slaves. And remember that when you were slaves, you didn't get a day of rest. You worked every day of the week. And he's saying, once you didn't have any choice in that, but to work every day. You had no say into where your focus was gonna be every day. Your focus was gonna be on your work. And then he said, but I freed you and you're no longer slaves. And now you get the gift of rest and you're no longer defined by being slaves. You're free. And the same is true for us. We were slaves. We had no choice but to be slaves, but Christ set us free from the bondage of slavery. And we're no longer defined by what we do, but by who we are as his sons and daughters. So we're free to rest rest. And this is what Sabbath is. It's freedom for us. It's a gift meant to help us enjoy Jesus fully and the rich and satisfying life that he promised. And Sabbath is not meant to be about rules for you. And I hope you've heard that today. It's not about no swimming or not swimming. It's swimming or not swimming. It's not about being in the church building all day long. It's not about what you don't necessarily do on that day. We weren't made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for us to draw us near to God, to fix our eyes on our real hope, to find true joy and genuine peace in Jesus. You know, Sabbath is kind of like the gift of receiving, it's kind of like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week, right? Why do we enjoy snow days? Because everybody stops, right? We even look for an excuse to stop. We always have a tough time calling whether we're gonna cancel church or not if we know snow is coming, because we know if it even snows half an inch, many of you have already made your decision. (laughs) So we're kind of like, well... You know, but in all of that, why do we love snow days? Because stores are closed, roads are impassable. You know, suddenly you have the gift of a day to do whatever you want. And what do we all love about those days? We love the freedom that comes in those days. Freedom from obligations or pressures or responsibilities. You have permission to be with friends, to take a nap, to read a book, to go outside and play when you would normally be working. You know, few of us give ourselves permission to have a no-obligation day very often, but God gives us permission to do it every week. And he invites us into his rest. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You know, it doesn't matter if you're here today and you're a Christ follower or not. The invitation from Jesus is for all of us today. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary, 
If you carry a heavy burden, come to me and I will give you rest. And if you're here and you're not a believer, it's an invitation for you to come to God and for the first time to discover freedom from being a slave to your sin and your shame and your regret and to find rest in God. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you're a believer today, then this is an invitation to obedience for you to take a step towards the life to the fullest that Jesus intended for you. Freedom from being a slave to your schedule, a slave to your work, a slave to everything else and to find the rest that God intended for you. Maybe if either of those categories fit you, you wanna pray this prayer in your heart with me as I pray. Jesus, thank you for your invitation to find rest in you. Jesus, thank you that you provide freedom. I'm tired of being a slave. I'm tired of being a slave to my schedule. I'm tired of being a slave to my kids' schedule, to my work, to my thoughts, to my fears, to all of my social obligations that I feel. And I'm choosing today to be obedient to you, God, by observing Sabbath rest. Lord, I admit I don't have it all figured out, and I know it's going to be a journey for me, but I'm going to take a step of faith and obedience, and I'm going to start to practice Sabbath in my life. I trust you, Lord. I want to experience the life that you intended for me, that you gave everything for me to have. So I'm asking that you would guide me as I begin to enter into the Sabbath rest that you've prepared for me. I trust you, Lord, and I want to honor you by taking this day to rest in you. Guide me, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.